Hey, bosses, wanting to tell you about a way you can connect with other Travel Like a Boss podcast listeners, talk about travel, online business, and discuss previous episodes as well as suggest future guests. Join our Facebook group, Travel Bosses, by going to facebook.com and searching for Travel Like a Boss podcast, clicking like, and clicking join group. Join our digital nomad Travel Bosses group today. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey, bosses. This is Johnny, and welcome to episode 253 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I am here in Ahagama. No, where am I? I can't even, I can't even remember anymore. I'm here in Sri Lanka, so guys. Earth. Yeah, and uh, my guest, Peter, is in... Are you in Kiev, Ukraine still, or where are you? Yep, yep. So you guys might uh, remember Peter uh, Santiano from episode 225 of the podcast uh, or from his popular YouTube channel. He has, you have what, over 200,000 subscribers now, really popular channel, and he covers a lot of cool places uh, in the world. But Peter, I'm really happy to have you back on, buddy. So, Jasvitsa, kakula. Yeah, thank you. Hello, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So Absolutely. I've been learning, I've been learning Russian since I've been in Sri Lanka, ironically. I heard it's the place for learning Russian. You must have, you must have, uh, met someone nice. And I saw that in your recent video. So that congratulations, man. Yeah. Thank she you very cool. much. Yeah. She, she's actually laying here uh, next to me uh, while I'm recording. So yeah, it's been great uh, having someone to practice Russian with, but also it was for the, there's a lot of Russians and Ukrainians in Sri Lanka. Huh? I yeah. I know there were yeah. those direct flights from Kiev before there were like these, uh, charter flights going. Yeah, and it's cheaper for them to actually come to Sri Lanka or to Thailand and you know, and do their wintering, like spend two or three months in the winter, than it is for them to actually even go to Odessa or uh, there's another beach town down there. I don't remember the name, but it's it's way cheaper for them to come here for two or three months than it is for them to go there. Yeah, wow. And You're in the right nicer, place. Way nicer too. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't mind those beaches right now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I just watched your video where you're crawling around in the underground passages that of underneath Kiev, the old like SSR USSR bunkers, or like it's like uh-huh. a sewage drain. It's like a sewage drain, but it's actually very clean. It's a drainage drain. I think it's, it's just a drain. Um, they built it because uh, to keep the, the the hills from sliding. Built under the Romanov dynasty, Nicholas II, and they're freaking amazing, man. Fifty kilometers of this stuff under the city. Yeah, it's so crazy. And I'm glad that you went down there because there's no way in hell I would have crawled down there. <laughs> Especially because it, like, it was – like I, I would crawl down for like two minutes, but you were down there for – it seemed like an hour. Yeah, it was a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things. I met this guy who knew a guy and uh, that's that's a, that's how things are in Ukraine, right? You know a guy who knows a guy and um, got in on these tunnels and went deep, deep, deep under the city. There were Romanov tunnels, which were very beautiful and then there were the Soviet tunnels. And then we ended up at a Soviet bunker at the end. Like a, this guy knows the underworld in this city really well. There are 400 bunkers in Kiev, most unexplored. This is a virgin one, like not touched. Opened up a, a, a box of gas masks from 1986, documents from the five-year plans, the Soviet wow. Union, all sorts of weird stuff down there. Yeah. And I think for anyone who's like a history buff, especially like Soviet and USSR history, that must be incredible. Oh, yeah. It was, it was so cool. Yeah. Like what? Like. 
like like what has attracted you to kind of like this these weird countries and especially Ukraine and these kind of former USSR countries? I think it's just basic. It's like if you're a curious person, what's different is always interesting, right? Just like you, right? If you, if it's different enough, then it piques your curiosity and you wanna you wanna understand it better. So Ukraine definitely fits in that category coming from the states. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, but also as kind of a weird selfish side, I really like it when locals don't see that many tourists and that we're like kind of special to them. If that makes sense. Oh, it's, it's, it's in, uh, it's fun. Of, it's like one of the needs of being a human, um, not to be praised, but everyone wants to be admired in some way, shape or form. That's why you make a podcast. That's why I make videos. It's like, if I can share an experience that I enjoy and other people's enjoys, then it's it's a uh, positive reverb, I guess. So yeah. I think, yeah, if you go to a place and you're wanted, it's way cooler than going to a place and not being wanted, you know? It's, it changes everything. Yeah, and I definitely want it for the right reasons because, like, if you go to, like, Bali or, you know, uh, even some places in Thailand like Phuket, you're wanted uh-huh. just for your money as a tourist, but you're not necessarily wanted right. because they're interested in, in getting to know you and your travels or what right. America's like. Yeah, here it's – there are not enough tourists where that's a factor, I don't think. Yeah, and I think, like, we're kind of their connection to the Western world as well because there's still a lot of people in, you know, Sri Lanka or the US or Ukraine who want to, you know – immigrate to the u.s or travel to the u.s and mm-hmm. the fact that we come to their country they're always like you know what's up like why did you come here right well i think once uh it was i think 2007 when schengen uh you know basically most mm-hmm. of europe opened up to ukrainians to travel visa free so then again you always want what you don't have people a lot of young people especially especially were just like going to western europe seeing all these new places that were pretty much difficult to get to before all these cheap airlines came in here and so, yeah, it's just, you know, a lot of people are looking that direction instead of the direction of Russia these days, I would say. Yeah. Honestly, I feel bad for Russia. Like, because Russia, to me, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't actually know that much about the history, but to me, Russia is what's left over of USSR. And uh-huh. I feel like Russia is basically like slowly losing, you know, they're definitely losing alliances, they're losing territories, they're, they're losing um, kind of their prestige, they're losing money, like economically. So they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're basically slipping away from being a former world power to having less and less being respected and you know uh and you know beloved by less and less people and from their mm-hmm. point of view i can see them being like hey guys like you know like don't like don't leave us like alone like don't leave us hang <laughs> yeah there's a lot in that i mean uh, geopolitically there's this you know whenever you artificially try to wrap all these people into one union and uh when 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 they have an option to opt out and they do right that's that sort of says everything actions say everything right and uh that's one thing and then it's complicated because if you're in like kyrgyzstan they really still a lot of people are pro-russian i would say they're like really into russia ukraine not so much these days especially the young people uh it's it's complicated but you know if if you want to get into politics here i mean it's just you know they lost ukraine lost basically it's california the crimea and man if imagine you're in the states and you lose your california you'd be pissed off i would you know if you went down there every summer and hung out on the beach and 
yeah, I get it. It's all chess game and real politic and that stuff. But at the end of the day, your life changes and puts a bad taste in your mouth, I think. Yeah, um, I could, now, I that's the politics. That. Yeah, the people here, I mean, there are many Ukrainians that travel to Russia. They have family there, friends there. So it's it's not a clear line, I'd say. But uh, yeah, you're right on the world doesn't want to like rally behind Russia at this point in time. Yeah. So I have no idea what's going to happen to Russia in the next five or 10 years. I can see them. They're not going to go down without a fight. And that's, that's the problem is they're yeah. definitely going to put up a fight. And, you know, I would, I think in an ideal world, you know, Russia can, you know, can keep some of their, keep their culture, keep their power in, but, you know, while not pissing off and, you know, hijacking other people. But at the same time, it's like, it's complicated, you know, and, and yeah, it's not something I don't want to get into. I'll, I'll, I'll close it on this. then if you don't want to go there, um, Russia's periphery is its protection and whatever its periphery has been weak, it's been weak and whatever its periphery is strong, it's stronger. So that that's just sort of a simple, you know, political way of looking at it. So that's why it really needs its sphere of influence to be in its under its influence. But the problem is, how do you control you? If someone doesn't want to be on board, then how do you how do you do it through a fist? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's not really how people want to be run. Yeah, uh, you know. So funny thing is, uh, I really want to travel to all the US, former USSR and Russia. And my yeah. original plan before this whole COVID thing happened was next year I was planning to get a three-year uh, t- multiple entry tourist visa to Russia. Wow. Did you know that as yeah. Americans, it's like a checkbox where instead of getting a, a three-month visa, we can get three years for the same price, the same process. After after this podcast goes live, I don't think you're getting that, Johnny, <laughs> with, with how you started it. <laughs> I know. They might check on it. They might be like, uh, let's see what this guy has said about uh, Mother Russia. Gavrila. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, I was planning to go there too this summer to get content, but that's not happening, obviously. Yeah, that would have been fun to hang out. And uh, last time we we met up was in Ukraine, in Kiev, like exactly yep. a year ago, right? Yeah, roughly. That was weird. And what's kind of what's funny is I like just realized when we like got on this call, we scheduled this call that mm-hmm. I we've only really met a few times, but I th- I feel like I've gotten to know you really well over the last year. Yeah, well, you you have your platform, I have my platform. I think that's that's sort of the case right we just sort of it's it's interesting if you meet someone that you've uh watched their videos online after a while it's like you it's like you you, you know them a little bit right yeah and uh christine and i have been we just finished watching your entire fish out of water series uh where you guys where you uh, were in that ukrainian village for six weeks yeah yeah that was hardcore that was amazing um yeah, that was my first thing I did on YouTube. It was six weeks in, in uh, this family that was – there were refugees from the east and they moved to this uh, little town and I lived with them and I documented their lives and made a seven-part series out of it. Uh, that was that was a game changer. I mean at first I would start my YouTube stuff by accident and then secondly, it just I learned a lot of lessons in that process. Oh wow, that was your those are your first seven videos on YouTube. Yeah, that was my first. I was didn't even thinking of doing anything. I was just like let me just document this experience and uh it it was pretty interesting, right? Just living with this family that were refugees from war and, you know, not far from the conflict. It was uh it turned out to be something. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's how it started. Yeah. It was crazy. And and the funny thing is uh like both Christina but also just rent like other Ukrainian people who uh who are I read in the comments were saying like even we like wouldn't live like this. Like we like we wouldn't <laughs> dare to go like, you know, stay there for 6 weeks and they're like this this guy's pretty brave. Yeah, it was one of those out of the comfort zone experiences. 
experiences. Uh, I remember one night it was uh, there were a lot of challenges there. Uh, one night it was I think 32 Celsius inside. What is that in that's Fahrenheit? Hot. That's like, like that's 100. like 80s. <laughs> nah. Okay. <laughs> so maybe like it was 30. Okay. It was it was super hot, right? And so here are my options: keep the window closed and have relatively good air, or crack the window, shave a couple Celsius, and smell the neighbor's trash. And so I was like constantly going between like, should I keep it closed and just just totally sweat like crazy all night, or or get a little bit of a <laughs> some cooler air, not cool at all, and just smell trash. Oh. And so it was a lot of that. It was a lot of just like uh, tough loving down there. I'd yeah. say um, the first morning woke up, the family was praying. It was about a half hour praying. I got in. Uh, I'm not a religious man, and. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Sunday. Cool. We'll do a family prayer every Sunday. Well, no, it was every day. It was every morning. Um, the dad was a former Gopnik drug dealing, you know, street fighting guy. Uh, really, really tough, tough, tough as nails. And then he found God. And so he came clean on everything. And well, hey, I learned that. That was a cool lesson of that trip. I was never, never a religious person. I always thought it was a bit silly to follow a book that's, you know, younger than some redwood trees in California. And then, uh, then it was like, wow, I can see how that is uh, very useful for a lot of people. And I, I gained a whole understanding, I'd say, of, of uh, religion through yeah. that experience. I, I can say that. Like, it's, it's definitely beneficial to simple. You know, the only problem with most religion is people might just blindly follow it and there might be, the, you know, the good and the bad that come out of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it worked for them. You know, if it kept them out of drugs and alcohol and, like, they had the, most, the sweetest family with no money, yeah. like, yeah. zero money and such a beautiful family. It's like, wow. That's, have, that's pretty Have you been in touch with them uh, at all since and you know how they're doing yeah 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 i went back a couple times and i saw anna the mom she was in uh -huh. kiev recently she actually got a job nannying a kid she's two oh, weeks nice. here and then back home two weeks there are no real jobs in that village at all yeah. okay and the the husband what's his name valeri valeri yeah how old is valeri by the way uh i think he's my age i think he's like 42 i'm 42 i think he's around my age okay yeah because we were like because yeah. uh christina and i were trying to guess how old the two of you are and i was like and I think she thought you were much younger and he was a lot older. She thought like – at first she thought that she, he was Anna's like father and I was like, no, they're married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, he, maybe he looks older. He did a lot of drugs back in the day and yeah, I don't think his I life think, has been easy. Yeah. I think Ukrainians just have like tough lives, especially as men. So they age quickly. <laughs> no comment on your side. <laughs> But actually, well, it's I, like it's like some yeah. of these towns, you know, yeah. Mariupol. That I've done a video there, and it's just what the toxic crap that's going into the air is unbelievable. In 2020, uh, uh -huh. you know, it's it's terrible what that does to the population. It's it's really bad. It's a cool town and yeah. cool people, and they're just getting hosed with with chemicals basically. At nights, they dump. They you know they produce a lot more in the factory because you can't see the air at night. Yeah, so people are breathing that stuff. It's bad. Yeah, it's crazy. And like as as many problems as we have in the U.S., we realize that the reason why people in places like Crane don't complain as much about um, kind of like you know everyday like everyday things is because they have such a bigger problems looming right. over them where they're like you know they're like look we don't have time for like niceties or you know how fair you know these things are that aren't going to kill us because we're worried about like surviving and living. We're not worried about these you know these smaller issues or maybe you know and maybe these are like you know issues that should be addressed. But like, yeah. They have way bigger problems. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think I think people, everyone has problems. They just have different problems, right? And I remember <laughs> once my uh, when I was in that shoot, I my iPhone, I uh, lost it. It was actually I left it in the back of a car. I thought someone stole. It. I didn't know what happened. That was my problem. Their problem was uh, the winter's coming. Do we have enough potatoes? You know. And so it's crazy. You know. And my problem next week might be I'm in the hospital with COVID. Who knows, right? But yeah, I think um, I don't have COVID. I don't think I do. At least I'm just saying that's an example. Yeah, knock on wood. Yeah, I think the petty stuff, you know, when you have bigger issues, obviously the petty stuff um, or what's looked at as petty stuff isn't isn't doesn't hit the radar for sure. Yeah, they don't worry about little stuff. And a lot of people, if you're living bad air all your life, then you really don't know it. You know, it's just what it is. Yeah, but yeah, that's also not a good thing. But it is a unique place to be. But and so w- w- you've been basically living most of the year in, in Ukraine, now, right? Yeah, I've been here three and a half. I moved here three and a half years ago. I was traveling a lot. We were gone a lot, and we were in Portugal last winter, so we're not uh-huh. always here. Uh, but this is home base right now. And you, I heard you, uh, you got engaged recently. So congrats on that. Oh, married man. I went. I went You're married the already. Full, yeah, the full full press. Yes. Nice. Married. Where was the engaged, wedding? Engaged. Uh, well, yeah. In these times it's tough it's tough to yeah. you know the wedding was outside some soviet block with an administrator signing okay. some documents <laughs> okay. we had a pen actually from yanukovych's time it was very romantic oh, nice okay. the former president here the guy that left in the helicopter after the revolution uh-huh. the pen uh-huh. the pen had his name on it that's so and funny. that's how i signed off on the marriage so let's not say it was the most romantic remote moment but we wanted to uh you know i proposed in portugal this last winter and then when we got here just followed through with the paperwork and we'll do a wedding when when it's a good time to do it obviously not now yeah well congrats man that's really nice. thank you really really cool yeah yeah thanks and how how does your your family and friends back home feel feel about that about the marriage i i think they're all cool yeah i mean she's met my mom she's met uh some friends of mine we get along great it's the first time i was i actually never thought i would get married really to be honest i was always like uh i don't want to lose all my freedom i don't want to you know i don't need to get married um and then i met natalia and we just just connected good yin and Yang, like we just flow well with each other and it's just like no other relationship I've been in and zero pressure on her part maybe that was a good tactic but I just she just not the type of person to pressure me on anything and then I just I'm like you know I wanted to do it like it felt natural it felt oh, nice. like it, there was zero pressure from anywhere okay. and uh, yeah it just happened nice like that yeah. so that's a, bi- a big question that I get as a full time traveler as a digital nomad is yeah. what do I plan on doing do I ever want to get married do, do I ever want to have kids or have a family uh-huh. and a lot of people they think that in order to do that I'd have the first move back to the US, get a stable job, maybe have a house, maybe have a normal life, and then I can meet someone and potentially get married and have kids, you know, have kids right. or whatever it is, and that it's somehow not possible to do while living abroad or traveling. Mm-hmm. But you, you kind of just proven that otherwise. Yeah, I mean, she um, she loves to travel too. Uh, like when I'm making content, I'm mostly on my own trips, and she's very much an ind- independent person, and she she considers herself an introvert, though she's very sociable with people. She's totally fine with doing her own thing. Like, uh, so it's cool. She accepts me for who I am. I accept her for who she is. And I've also figured out how to make my content get a lot of content in a shorter time. For example, I did an India-Pakistan trip in December, and I was shooting like crazy. But that content, I, I edited it for. I was posting that stuff for like over four months. Wow, five months even, I think. Yeah. So it's like I, I've gotten better at being efficient of going out there. And that's a long trip. Usually I'm going for two weeks. 
So I, I, I want to be in a relationship where I can leave for two weeks or she can leave for two weeks and we're cool and it's nice and it keeps fresh and you come back together and it's great. You know, I think it keeps things more interesting, to be honest. If you have trust and, and respect, then, then I don't think those things are a problem. So as far as living abroad, I mean, we live in Ukraine. She's from Ukraine. Uh, I don't know. I think the rules, the, the rules are a bit rigid if that you outlaid, you know, like maybe before. But look at your world. You, you have multiple streams of income coming through your computer that's more stable than most stuff right yeah especially right now <laughs> like if the only thing i mean if the internet went down then you're screwed uh but other than that it's like you can navigate this time period and leverage your currency, live in a cheaper place, spend less money. I think that's actually being responsible. Yeah, I think so as well. And as far as like meeting a, a, a you know a suitable partner or that I, I would want to be with, I feel yeah. like if I was in the U.S., I'd probably be working a job, or you know, even if I was working my own, I would be living a lifestyle where I wouldn't be that happy, I wouldn't be that free, I wouldn't be able to yep. explore you know everything I want to do, I wouldn't be able to travel, and I'd probably be like a miserable, boring guy, and I probably yeah. wouldn't even meet a great girl anyways. And exactly. in general, like the the mentality of, I don't know, I don't want to say, like, I, I just like, I like I was, you know, I lived in the U.S. for so long and I never, I didn't meet the, the per, you know, the person I wanted to be with. So mm-hmm. the last, you know, five years, I haven't dated an American girl and it's been way, way better. Mm-hmm. Like a way better match. Yeah. If you're not happy, then uh, your relationship's going to suck. No one's going to make you happy. It's, it's that, so you got to be happy for, to be at a higher frequency, you know, and connect with someone at a better level or, or you're with someone miserable, someone misery seeks company, right? That famous, famous saying. Or you just settle. I think that's what happens a lot in the U.S. People just kind of settle and they're like, all right, well, yeah. alone, so I'm going to be with this person who drinks too much or like, you know, uh, isn't a great fit, but hey, you know, we're, we're comfortable together. Yeah. I mean, Man, it's tough. It's tough to say. Like there, there's no perfect way to do it. You know, living abroad has its challenges at times. I'm not going to say it's perfect. You know, there's sometimes I definitely miss the states. I went back there last fall. Had a great trip. It was awesome. Uh, you know, I I question things sometimes. I think anyone really does in their life. I think everyone does to some degree. But overall, I like the leveraging of you know I like paying a thousand dollars in healthcare for my worldwide policy that works in the states too. If I want to go there, I like being connected to the world. Living in Europe, you know, there are many pros. And you also, you know, it's I know it's cliche, but if you got the book on life, you know, you want chapters in there. I think, you you know, you want to look back and be like, oh, I did that. I did some, you know, and that's, that's, that's personal for everyone, like how they want to write up that book, but you're an adventurer, I'm an adventurer. And so you got to get out there, right? You got to go on some hero's journeys. Yeah. I think they said that, um, there's a quote that's something like, if you've never, if you've never traveled, um, it's like you've only read one chapter of books. Right. Right. Yeah. And I believe that. I feel like my, my book is so long now. I think it's like my book is like 50 plus chapters long now. You know, I've changed so much. I've grown so much. I've seen so many places. And sometimes I think like, oh, it's enough. Like I don't need to see anymore. Mm-hmm. I just want to chill out. Yeah. But then I get bored. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I've sort of hit the point where I don't need to like – before it was like I need to see a certain amount of countries. Not It was never like a number thing, but it was like, okay, I should go to Brazil. I haven't been to Brazil and I don't have like a burning desire. Not to say I wouldn't love it. I, I, I One of my best friends is Brazilian. There's a lot of great stuff there, but I'm not – dying to you know see a bunch of places right now uh i was planning on lebanon and syria and israel 
in, in Palestine. That was the goal this spring. I get a bunch of content. I, I really get drawn into the Middle East. I love the Middle East. Um, so there are countries I'm super interested in, but then there's some countries I'm just not so interested in and don't need to go yeah. to. And I think it's okay. And I think sometimes like when there's a place that everybody needs to go or has to go, that's a place that I just don't want to go because right. I don't want to be, and now it's a little bit different, but you know, I don't want to be with a million tours and, you know, like at the Eiffel Tower or like lined up to see the Mona Lisa. Like that sounds like a exactly. nightmare to me. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you on that. Well, yeah. this would be the year, right? For those places. Yeah. Actually, it would be. <laughs> Ironically, this is the best time to go to Venice. It's the best time to go see the Mona Lisa or like if you can get out there, then yeah, do it. Yeah. I'm starting to worry a little more about this COVID. To be honest, it, got, it was really tight here at first. It was very, you know, everyone was sort of masked up and distancing and then things got quite normal in Kiev and the numbers are on the up. I'm just uh, looking at this and like, well, if the numbers are on the up and people are pretty chill about everything now, then, uh, you know, if you believe, you know, it's hard. It's so much information coming at us. Uh, but I've know some people have had it. And so I'm like getting more cautious with that. Traveling, I don't know. It just doesn't have the same <laughs> romance right now to be pushing a lot of distance and getting in public transport and that stuff. Yeah. I'm really lucky to be in Sri Lanka where they've yeah. had maybe a little bit over 2,000 cases total and like just a you know, few hundred deaths. Like over, you know, and this is over, you know, the five wow. months or something. And That's amazing. They've had no new cases, like, you know, the, aside from people flying in and getting tested, but like no new cases in the last, I think it's like two months or something, something crazy. Wow. So and there's think, no, yeah. there's no worry there at all. Zero. Like, especially the, the area I'm in, uh, Aragon Bay, it's like, it, it, life is just so normal. And I actually forget forgot about the COVID situation until a friend sent uh -huh. me a podcast. Uh, I think it's called The Daily, like maybe New York Times or something, where it was explaining how the virus is mutating and they realized it's not actually a, a, vas uh, a cardiovascular disease, but it's a, like a vascular disease and that it's, it's you know, like it, it went into a lot of the science. And I realize, oh my God, this is, it's still going on in the world. If anything, it's, it's getting bigger. And here in Sri Lanka for the last month, nobody, none of my friends have even brought it up. Like it hasn't even been mm -hmm. a topic of conversation, which is insane. Wow. Yeah. You're in the right place. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's amazing here because there have no been no new tourists for the last four months or five months. Can people go there now or no? No, not yet. And uh, they're supposed to Oh, open no, up. like no flights. No. Yeah, no flights. Uh, they're supposed to open up in August sometime, but they have all these crazy rules where you can only stay at a certified hotel, which I think means like a five, four or five-star hotel where they can watch you uh, for the first week and they test you like three times <laughs> during that week. Wow. So, so I think, yeah. Wow, that's that's a good position to be in yeah yeah stay there <laughs> Yeah. And like I so I picked up surfing the last couple of months and the the breaks are sometimes empty, you know. I mean, you know, usually there's still like five or ten people there, but yeah. normally there would be like thirty, forty, fifty people lined up and now it's like if you wait an hour, everybody leaves the water and you might be in there with just a few people. Right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta go to Hungary next week because I have to renew my residency permit here. And the crazy thing is you have to leave the country to renew your residency permit. Yeah. You have to go to a Ukrainian consulate outside the country. So I'm gonna fly to Hungary. It's supposedly on the flight. Yeah. That's and totally then uh but yeah. Yeah, and then cruise. I'm gonna go into Austria or northern Italy and just get into the mountains and away from things and into some nature. Okay. Yeah, that's one thing you you know, a city like Kiev, it's basically in Kansas, smack in the middle <laughs> of Kansas. It's just okay. flat around. There's nothing like there's no forty five minute drive to some <laughs> waterfall or anything like that, right? So that that would be one of the downfalls of this place is you know, I'm feeling it more now because I'm not going anywhere. You know, usually I was in and out a bunch, so going to different places 
didn't really notice it, but now I'm like, yeah, there's nothing that cool around here. You can drive a ways, get out to Western Ukraine. That's nice, but it's pretty far. So yeah, missing the nature. I got to say missing that, um, the outdoors, those people in those conditions, that, that's the place to be for sure at this moment. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like this last weekend, um, we went camping uh, basically on the beach. But they have these little huts set up there, and you can also rent like a treehouse uh, for like ten bucks. It was so cheap, and our hut was like three dollars. It was, it was, it was uh-huh. insane. right on the beach, beautiful in the middle of nowhere, and uh, elephants go, you know pass by there at night sometimes. Uh, and the surf spots right there, so we woke up and people were just like on the beach, you know, surfing, and it was it was mm-hmm. incredible. And it's like Sri Lanka really has a little bit of everything. It has beach, has nature, has mountains, has temples, has culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a really undiscovered place. So, are you settling down, Johnny? It sounds like you're settling down. You asked me the question earlier. You now have a, a lady friend, right? Am I correct on that? Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, you're in one place. Are you? Uh... You're settling down in the in the sense that you're not moving anywhere. Yeah, I guess I live here now. But how would go, guys? <laughs> but what what do you feel about that? Do you think it's in you know you can you can live that nomadic lifestyle indefinitely? Do you think that's a possibility? I because you know you meet a lot of people that are almost I'm gonna classify it as over traveled, right? They're just like it's because you've done it that long. That's that's all you know how to do in life. Um, there's no judgment here. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do by any stretch. There's some people that can go forever and, and that's their happiness. Mm-hmm. What, do, what are your thoughts on that as far as living the nomadic traveling life? Yeah, I don't think I would I would be happy moving too quickly because uh, I, I, I know I get burnt out. You know? So if, I, if I'm like moving places every few weeks or even every month, I'm, I'll get burnt out and I would be unhappy. But yeah. the way I'm doing it now where I stay in places for you know two, three, four months at a time, maybe even uh-huh. up to five or six months and then I move and kind of just repeat the process again somewhere else, I can do this forever. Like, because when I when I move into a place, I really make it home, like very homey. You know, I feel like I get like now I'll get nicer places. Um, mm-hmm. I normally try to get a place that has you know like a separate living room, you know, couch, a TV, right. a kitchen, so I could just have a normal life. And if I'm there for two three months at a time, I can settle in. I can buy some like you know teapots and you know like random things. That and I actually right. end up just leaving there half the time. But I'm a pretty simple guy. Like I don't need that much to to live. Um, like I'm okay making tea in a cup, but I I would like to, I would prefer to have a tea like a teapot but i think like i'll send you one i'll send yeah, you a thanks. teapot <laughs> yeah actually you know what i have this really beautiful shalaka teapot right now <laughs> that, and I, be- I, that is beautiful yeah and i just discovered it because there's there's there was one in the shirt kitchen and i was like you know what i went my first three weeks here without using a teapot and i was fine but it is nice to have and these are like the little niceties that we take for granted when we live you know summer full-time whether it's back in california mm-hmm. or you know anywhere else is we feel like we just need things to complete our lives but really it's the most things are completely unnecessary and we don't even appreciate it so now mm-hmm. i realize i don't need much to live but if i you know whenever i do have access to something whether it's like uh you know like a nice teapot or uh there's some italians staying here as well so they brought like little mocha uh, espresso makers the, the stovetop espresso maker and i've been using that to make coffee and i'm like this is really nice I, i'm really appreciative of being able to use it it makes me happy but i also know i don't need it right what about like long-term deeper connection type friends you know if you're moving every four or five months obviously you have to meet new people and yeah but the nice thing is i think the type of friends that i've met now because i've been doing this for since 2008 like 12 years now mm-hmm. is most of my kind of long-term friends that i've been that i've known for the last 10 to 12, 10 years they also live this lifestyle where mm-hmm. they're also location dependent now i have tried to kind of coordinate with them a little bit better and say hey let's let's be in the same place 
right um, while before it was kind of like sometimes i want to see them for a whole year that was that was too that was too long but i think right like i'd i would much rather have a few really good friends that i keep in touch with you know over skype once in a while over you know facetime and then mm-hmm. spend a good two months with them traveling somewhere once a year then mm-hmm. have some friends that just happen to be friends because we went to the same college where we grew up right each other right yeah, yeah. makes sense yeah but what about you i mean like you moved to to ukraine you're away from from everyone you knew in california like how does that feel yeah i, I brought it up because it's something i i uh, struggle with not struggle but a question sometimes because I, I do miss my good friends you know and uh you know i've met people here in, in ukraine but there's something to be said for people you've been connected with for a long time uh so you have to give something up to get something and that's the sacrifice you make i think a lot of what this world looks like on the outside or through the through the screen is it's just 100 percent full-on dopamine awesome and it's you know there are compromises you have to make and a lot I, I think a lot of people would not want to make those compromises you know if they actually had to go through with them because it is you know you have to give something to give up something to get something it's just how it works yeah i definitely agree but i also think that like a lot of things we think we need to give up or that we can't give up because it'd be so hard mm-hmm. really aren't that hard like probably the easiest example is our physical possessions you know when yeah. i had a house full of stuff and to most people one of the reasons why they don't want to travel or they don't want to live you know travel full time is they're like what am i going to do with our stuff you know i have a house <laughs> that i really like or an apartment i really like yeah i really like my furniture i really like my clothes i really like my car you know and to me these things are like so not important anymore but i used to i used mm-hmm. to really love all my stuff i loved my couch i loved my kitchen stuff i loved my car and i didn't think i would be able to not you know i, I didn't think i'd be able to travel with less than you know 200 pounds worth of stuff <laughs> you know like two you know huge suitcases now right. i've been traveling carry on only for the last year and a half and mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. i want to get rid of half of it i'm like i don't even need all this yeah well that stuff is all replaceable right and disposable at the end of the day but i think a lot of okay this this demographic you're saying that can't leave it if you are in a like a you you know, hyper capitalistic city like uh, San Francisco or, or LA or whatever, and your identity is baked into these things, then in a way at a subconscious level, I think it's like you're letting go of some of who you are, and that's scary shit, right? Yeah. And so maybe I'm overthinking it, but. Uh, you know, I think it's it maybe is perceived as a step backwards when it's not, as you know, because you gain all these experiences out in the world that you know nothing can replace that. Like mm-hmm. those are those are those are amazing. You can always get the new car. That's not a hard thing. I don't have a car right now. I'll get another car eventually, but uh, you know, yeah. there's no need at the moment. But what's funny about it is like I can spend you know a year in like Sri Lanka or in Thailand and not feel like I need uh, like let's say like you know fancy clothes or anything. But then I'll go to right. Barcelona or I'll go to you know new york or la for two weeks and i'll i'll feel like i'll feel like less of a person for mm. not you know being dressed as, as nice or not having the like new kind of trendy clothes or not having nicer shoes then i'm like oh man i really need to go and buy this you know xyz yeah it's just i think it's just in us to we want to fit in to some degree yeah. i mean even as in individual as someone says they are or, or as they are look at the whole covid thing if like when everyone was wearing a mask i was wearing a mask when nobody's wearing a mask i'm not wearing a mask so am i really an individual in that circumstance not at all so i think it's just that's just how we're wired right we want to like not you know to fit into some degree i really like to stand out with my thoughts or 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 how i view life i'm very good with that but there's some 
ways we we try to mold for sure. Yeah, I can say that. So, what about your life in California or like the city itself? Do you miss? Uh, I mean, San Francisco. I got to say, is the best fusion of the urban and the natural, right? Like just living in a city and walking uh, to the beach or over the Golden Gate and bike riding bikes over there. I just I miss the environment. I got to say that you smell eucalyptus trees in that city. You know, if you're downtown or south of Market, you're smelling bum piss. But if you're, you know, where I lived, a little west of that, you're smelling eucalyptus trees in, in the ocean. Uh, versus here is like poorly refined uh, gas, you know, coming out of old marshutkas that just cooks your throat. My, my throat hurts right now because I went on a bike ride on the highway yesterday. And it's just a lot of those just you get hits, hits of that stuff. Right. And that's what I miss the most is environment. I really got really like honed in on air quality the last couple of years being in Pakistan, India, those those big cities. I mean, it, it does affect the quality of your life for sure. And it maybe sound as like if my the younger me would be like, oh, you're paying too much attention to that. You're being an alarmist. But no, I, I really the air quality is a big one. Like If you don't have you can buy the bottled water, but the air that's important. Yeah. I, I so that's that. what I'd miss, the environment back there. You know, the, the quality of things. If you get an organic something, it's going to be organic. It's not, you know, here doesn't work like that. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, for a while I was buying, you know, everything certified organic, non-GMO, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I would, yeah. you know, I would take so many supplements. I was just so into, you know, that type of healthy living. And then right. one day I decided, I was like, you know what, this is, I can't get it, you know, in the places I'm at. I'm just, I'm just not going to care anymore. And I realized that stuff, I think it, it matters for if everything else in your life is optimized and you want that extra like last 2%, that matters a lot. Uh -huh. But most of the time, like th those things really don't affect our life as much as we think. It's not that, you know, if, if you're looking at the 80-20 rule, this is definitely the 20% mm -hmm. and not the 80%. Right. So you, you wouldn't be able to notice on a, you know, like if you're monitoring your system, you wouldn't notice a difference. Yeah. And I think like the thing is most Americans are like, they're not exercising, they're not sleeping well. They're stressed. They're not getting enough sun, but they're eating, you know, organic um, Cheetos or you know, like <laughs> like gluten-free uh, non-GMO Oreo cookies. Like I'm like that's that, that's not going to help your life, right? Yeah, true. Yeah, I would just say then then I just I did, I miss that environment the most. Just yeah. the cleaner water jump in the ocean know that you know it's you, you, i don't want to jump in the water here yeah you know not not in uh not in the um the dean pro river in ukraine unfortunately <laughs> so i've done some nice. wake surfing in here yeah i've done some wake surfing yeah it's not a place you want to go in yeah i mean you can tough guy and act like it's all cool but it's not it's, it's not it's not it's not, not healthy not water <laughs> but whatever it's a big city what do you expect i lived in bangkok a long time ago i remember falling into the chow Phraya river that was that was just, uh, you know worse even yeah, I can see that. So the only thing I miss about living in the U.S. is how comfortable it is in terms of like like even if you're broke, you have a nice couch and a big TV. You can order food delivery all the time. Like even if you're like even if you're on welfare stamps or like you're you're poor, you probably have a TV, flat screen TV. You probably have a couch. You probably you could probably order pizza. And if you have some money, you can basically buy anything you want and ha like literally anything you can think of. You can have 
have it that same day or maybe, you know, maybe by the next day. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I realized that most of the things that I miss are things that I don't really need in my life. They're just kind of nice to have or comforts. So, you know, things like, you know, I really, you know, miss, um, like the, the peanut butter, dark chocolate, uh, uh, things from Trader Joe's. And I Mm -hmm. I can get that here, you know, (laughs) but I don't really need that. I, I miss like a Popeye's chicken sandwich, but I'm like, you know, or be, be able to, you know, to get things like that. But I'm like, I don't need these things. Yeah, I... Okay, here's my thing with the U.S. I, a while back, I was like, you know what? It's it's a great country, but there's a whole world out there. And uh, I was sort of down on the U.S., let's say, overall as a theme. Um, now I've changed, man. I Even if, even at this time when the U.S. is like in it's not one of its best places in history, I'm actually – I get it way more. Um, I like it way more, to be honest. Uh, there are certain fundamental things about the country that are, that are – you know, we all know the negatives and that's what's shown on the news right now. But there are a lot of very cool aspects to the culture. I mean, firstly, all the freaks from the world moved there. Basically, the ones that, you know, had the the courage to get up and just jump ship and go into the unknown. I mean, that's sort of how the place was built. So that is baked into the DNA. There is that... It's a high trust culture. I mean, we're just talking in generalities here. Like it's a high trust culture. I meet you. We talk a few times. You know, maybe we, we, we own an apartment together and with very little interaction, something like that. I've done that with a friend, actually, an American friend. You know, every place has its pros and cons, but I would, you know, there are some very cool things, aspects of the U.S. is the openness. I've, I've res- I respect the openness now. Hey, how you doing? Some stranger. It's, you know, some of it's superficial. Yeah, nobody likes the, hey, let's meet up on the weekend when they don't mean it. That shit's annoying. But, you know, just like the easy openness and everything doesn't have to be a struggle, like on a day-to-day basis. It's, it's nice. You, the institutions, despite the shit they're going through, are relatively strong, and that's like what the country's holding on to right now really like if we didn't have the institutions if it wasn't built the way it was the place would be in rubble at the moment right because there is a hurricane you know so I, I and, and also the racism thing yes there is racism in the u.s for sure but those that say the, ra- the U.S. is the pinnacle of racism have not been in the world. Mm-hmm. They just haven't. Yeah. Uh, you know. You know. And and racism goes both ways too. I'm a white guy. You know who doesn't like me? Who's racist against me? I'm like Everybody. you know. Mili- <laughs> I'm a military. Uh, well, no, it's not this white guy thing at all. It's the the one group is like I'm this military looking dude. Yeah. And so who hates me? like feminists? Before I even open, I don't do anything. I'm already like you know got this bad vibe coming my way. Yeah. Right, because I, I I fit a certain profile. Yeah. What I'm saying. I Anyways, I don't feel I don't have problems with it at home. I'm just saying, like it's man. Look at the the mayors in U.S. cities: San Francisco, Chicago, Houston, D.C. Are they all women? Women? I think most San Francisco's mayors, D.C.'s mayors, Chicago. I think I no and idea. black. Okay. You know, it's not as like. You think they're going to vote a black man into the presidency here? I mean, there are many black people here, obviously. But I, I just I just find it to be interesting right now as it's looked at the pinnacle of racism when it's one of the more inclusive places in the world. Yeah, I, th- I think so, hundred percent. And I, th- I think there's, you know, I think our problems are highlighted because of the news, of the media, international coverage. Yeah. But also because our lives in general are pretty good. Where we, now we have the energy, the time, and the resources to be able to mm-hmm. bring up these other topics. You know, because we're not, yeah. you know, afraid of being at war with Russia. We're not afraid of famine and not having food. We're not afraid of you know, right. p- political instability. You know, we're like 
like, okay, our, our, you know, our government is very stable. We don't like it. So let's, you know, these are the changes we want now versus mm-hmm. in other countries. They're like, you know, we don't like it, but also we're afraid, you know, it's going to collapse and we're all going to die. So let's just focus on that not happening first before we talk about, you know, um, wh- you know, what policies we want. Right. Right. Yeah. Again, I mean, but America has all sorts of problems. I'm not saying it's this. I, I hate, yeah. I hate the people that are like, my country's the best. There's not everything else sucks. That's annoying. Like nobody likes that. But I just want to say, it. but I've, living abroad, you learn more about your your home country than when you're there. That's for yeah, sure. That's true. And you know, the thing is, honestly, if if I had unlimited money, or you know, I don't know what the amount would be, but like if I had X amount of money, mm-hmm. I would happily live in the U.S. Like if I can, if I can live in a lifestyle where I can live in like a luxury apartment in San Diego, go surfing mm-hmm. every day. Day, every you know uh, every weekend go go camping in the mountains uh, whatever mm-hmm. I feel like it I can I can fly to Hawaii and spend a week you know or I can fly down to you know to Mexico or to the the Caribbeans uh, you know if I can go skiing in Colorado if I can like have a private jet and mm-hmm. go to San Francisco you know skip all the traffic I would love it I th- it would be an amazing life it would be an incredible life it would be like the you know some of the best food in the right. world because we have we have good food from every culture there uh, I wouldn't have to stress about commuting if I can work from home or if I didn't have to work at all you know if I could fly private it, I wouldn't need to, you know, deal with Spirit Airlines or like, you know, S, you know, these SFO, these these airports, uh, right? But all that comes with a, a huge cost, and that's my only real gripe. The only reason why I don't live in California is it's just not worth it. Like it's like you know, to live a similar lifestyle that I'm living here, you know, being by the beach, having someone come, you know, clean my place once a week, uh, you know, having you know, you know, having like this easy life, calling and you know, taking taxis mm-hmm. wherever I want, uh, eating out, you know. 21 mm-hmm. meals a week it would cost me like eight grand or ten grand in the u.s in california and it's just not yeah. worth it so okay so it's an economics thing a lot of these decisions then yeah a, a huge part of it and like you know and it's not just economics because uh, i do i actually enjoy you know i really enjoy meeting people from all around the world like when i'm yeah when I'm somewhere else i'm traveling i enjoy learning different cultures but if it was if all else being equal if i can like if you said johnny you know you have unlimited money choose a place to live it would be the u.s it would be California I mean, yeah. or Hawaii maybe. You know, it's interesting. I had a Lebanese guy that uh, he moved to, to LA, made a lot of money. He set up like a lot of the ATM machines. Uh, I forget what company. Sold it, made a ton of money. He, I saw him in Kiev and he said, the US is great if you're super rich, but if you're middle class, upper middle class, it's a grind. Those were his words. But it's interesting hearing that from a foreigner, you know, who's made it there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It depends too. I think it's... Um, you know, you have certain things that are going to be a pain in the ass, like health insurance. You know, I also have friends in Tahoe that don't make that much money. That live pretty, pretty good lives. They, you know, they're doing pretty well. So it, it, it depends. If you're doing that Bay Bridge commute, grinding it hard with no money left over existence, that's tough. Like that's that doesn't look fun. Yeah, and the thing is, like most people that I know, like you know, they're they're not taking even t- a two week vacation a year. You know, they're yeah. taking a t- like a one week one week vacation every two or three years yeah and it's, that's not the life i want to live i mean like i have my yeah. like i remember my, my cousin was planning a beach trip like a week like a one night or two night beach trip like three months in advance or four months in advance i'm like what are you doing why don't you just go this weekend you live in california like you live in la like it's like it's not that yeah. far and he's like yeah well you know people are busy we, you know we just got we got to plan ahead we got to make the reservations and like i was like i wake up and i'm like do i want to go to the beach today like you know don't want to surf today or not <laughs> Yeah, you you've carved out a good little uh, good little way of life for yourself for sure. Like yeah. I, I see your uh, your Facebook group and you you've built that audience and it's like 
Yeah, I think you I think a lot of people want to do what you're doing. I'm sure a lot of people are, right? I mean, I'm not as nomadic as you, I would say. I'm sort of, you know, hung, hunkered down a little more. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think definitely something, something someone should do for a while if they're feeling the itch. Yeah. Well, wh- what you're doing is like another form of, you know, of a living abroad travel. Like you have your home base, which is yeah. Kiev, Ukraine. And then from there, you can take, you know, small bag and then you can just go on a trip for somewhere for a few weeks or a month and then come back yeah i think this is something that a lot of digital nomads are leaning towards doing uh, i have friends yeah. who actually bought places in thailand or bought places in like Bangkok, bulgaria and mm-hmm. just to have a home base that they can go back to and take these side trips yeah and part nice. of me yeah. wants to do that because i want to be able to leave i want to have like winter gear you know for example or camping gear hiking yeah. gear leave it all in the place you know go on my trips come back chill out for two three months be comfortable mm-hmm. and then take like this tiniest bag i would love to travel with eight kilos or less like you know 15 Mm -hmm. pounds or less i would love to do that i can't do it now because i literally carry everything i own on my back between countries and i don't backtrack or i don't go back for a whole year yeah but the way you're doing it i I think is is probably the more comfortable and easier way uh Mm -hmm. but financially it it doesn't make as much sense you know to leave an apartment empty for you know a month and and pay Mm -hmm. pay double rent and and that's the main reason i don't do it yeah but there's another you know, there it's not always financial cost. It's the cost of you know you got to weigh that stuff out. I guess. Yeah. Where, where would you choose? Where would you choose if you if you're gonna go that route? Where would you, where would your home base be? <laughs> That's hard. Uh, I before if you asked me a few years ago, it would have been Thailand. It would have been Chiang Mai for sure because I, I love it uh-huh. out there. But the biggest problem with with Chiang Mai is even though it's really easy to get from Chiang Mai to some neighboring countries, it's mm-hmm. not that easy to get from Chiang Mai like back to the U.S. or to Europe. It's, you know, you can't. Get to Mexico, you can't get to South America from there. Yeah, so I think yeah. summer in Europe would actually be the spot. Yeah, I agree, man. I I love. I mean, if you look at a map where Ukraine is, like so much is so close. Yeah, and Istanbul's an hour and forty five minutes. Yeah, there were. Now we're uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> once we get these back, you know, the airport's picked up. You know, it's just changing so quickly. Who's let it? Who who can come in? Who can't? Who's got a quarantine? All that stuff. So I don't think there's much traffic, but. There are more flights every day, um, but yeah, this this place you 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 can hit the Caucasus easily, you can hit Europe easily, you can hit the Middle East easily. Even even India isn't crazy far. Yeah, Northern Africa is pretty close. Sri Lanka, you can get here. Yeah, yeah, I I it's it's uh, I like Europe now. I've I've. I have no interest in living in Latin America or Africa or Asia at this point. I just yeah. I've been all those places. I've lived in other continents, but um, yeah, I, for that what you said, the reason just accessibility is pretty sweet here. I do like it. So have you have you been earning a full time income from your, your YouTube channel since we met? So yeah, I have been. I have been paying all my expenses through just ad revenue and saving a little bit. Oh, oh nice. So yeah. at, so you have a, a little bit over 200,000 subscribers. Can you give us kind mm-hmm. of a ballpark and how much that makes? Uh, you know, I don't like doing the financial stuff, to be honest. I know that's that's uh, that's where the, the younger generation is at these days. But I was always taught, like, keep your finances to yourself. Don't don't tell people what you make. And it's not like I got anything to hide. But I just, yeah, that's not my thing is telling. Okay. You, you know, it's all right. Everyone but make. It's, it's good to hear that it's enough to cover your living costs, maybe some of your travel costs. And it's you're, you're able you basically created a career for yourself where you can do what you love doing. You can create a product that people enjoy watching and consuming and it's able yeah. to sustain you so you can continue doing it. Well, here's the thing. I wouldn't want to rely on uh, I wouldn't want to rely on YouTube. 
Um, and I did sell a business I was running in the States that I had in the States. I sold it mm-hmm. in December. Thank God. Perfect timing. Mm-hmm. So I have I have a, a nice cushion. Um, so I'm not relying on YouTube. If I ha- didn't have that cushion, I was just relying on my YouTube videos. Uh, I wouldn't feel super comfortable. And here's the reason why. It fluctuates. Mm-hmm. So I did a series in Saudi Arabia. That did really well financially. That was like okay. I was way on the plus side of things. Then India. Uh, not as much. And then Pakistan did really well. Like a lot mm-hmm. of Pakistanis in the UK, it depends where people watch from, mm-hmm. in the UK, in the States, were watching. So that did really well. Then I did a series that I shot a long time ago in California. I just posted that because I'm stuck here. Didn't mm-hmm. do so well. And mm-hmm. so it's it's been a little bit of hit and miss, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, overall this year, I'm on the plus side with paying all my expenses. Like my rent here is, I'll give you an idea of my expenses. My rent here is $900. Actually, our, our landlords reduced it from eleven hundred to nine hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't oh, have nice. a car here. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Ukraine's not the most expensive country. Obviously, uh, if I was in the states, I would be. I would be not meeting my expenses. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I'm here too. Yeah. Right. If you want to go down the creative path and and build something, you know, it doesn't happen overnight for most people. And to reduce those expenses. You know, I don't have any hair, but it would save hair. You know what I mean? It would be like, (laughs) you know, you don't want the stress of, you know, having to crack a $7,000 nut every month when you're you're doing YouTube videos Mm -hmm. in the beginning, right? You just, it wouldn't work out well for you, for most people. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you had savings, that runway would dry up pretty quickly. Exactly. So... I look at YouTube as like I'm just trying to I'm get trying to get better at what I'm doing. I finally feel comfortable with the format I'm doing. It took me you know, forever to figure out like how to make these things in a good format, and that's that's a work in progress. I got a long way to expand on that too and get better at. Uh, but I figured out what's working for me better. Uh, that it's it's a lot of trial and error. You know, if I was to do it all over again, I you know what I know now, I would I would have started this thing totally different. Like we'll I didn't even know I'd way. be doing YouTube videos. Okay, so. I started with this documentary series in Ukraine and then I didn't post anything for like a half a year. Yeah. Okay, that doesn't that doesn't help a channel. So you know, this is no new knowledge, I don't think, for anyone. But you got to you got to pick a theme. Um, the more refined you are on that theme, I think, the better. And then be consistent. And with the travel stuff, it's a little challenging in the sense that you know, a food channel is a theme. You know, it's food wherever you go. That's going to be the most popular stuff mm-hmm. usually, and that's easy. It's like a theme that that threads through any country you go to. Mm-hmm. But I my theme is more like connecting with the local people, and that doesn't necessarily stand out as much maybe is like oh what does this guy do he connects with the local people or you know what is this guy he he eats everywhere in the world that that's sort of more of a defined theme mm-hmm. um so when you change countries sometimes you build an audience like i had a lot of side audience and then i went to india and they don't care about india like 98 percent, you know so then you're working up another audience and then i went to pakistan and those sort of work together they're curious of each other and then you go to ukraine and do pakistanis care about Ukraine? Do they want to watch a 20 minute video on Ukraine? No. You know, so it's like the stuff that works well and I don't want to do because it doesn't interest me is like doing videos that are a list, like five best things in whatever country. And you make a four minute video or five minute video or something and it's very easy to digest and it doesn't take anyone's time really. Uh, That would probably build a much bigger channel than what I've built. No, I just have no interest in doing that. I've done a few of those types of videos, comparing videos. I just, they're not very creative. 
Yeah, you, you've you've picked a kind of a, a hard niche because I mean, if anyone's watched your videos and, and you guys should check it out, uh, I'll have links to it in the show notes. You can just Google Peter's name uh, on on YouTube. But it's they're like documentary style, kind of like deep dives into culture, into local places. It's almost like BBC on the ground, you know. And it's hard to make that. It takes a lot of effort, <laughs> and some people really appreciate it. Like the people that appreciate it probably really appreciate it, and uh-huh. it's just over the head for majority of the audience. Like you know, like majority of you know Americans are just gonna be like oh, like this is like like I don't like you know this isn't light easy humor and, and, and watching right you know? like so I th- I really respect your work it's an art to craft but it's definitely not like an easy uh, mass you know sell to the masses <laughs> yeah yeah thanks man appreciate yeah. it yeah and it's not to say my editing is the best or my you know it's not you know it's I try to make it as interactive as possible for the viewer that's what I want to do is put the viewer on the ground in the action I'm shooting with a GoPro yeah. You know, I don't have a big DSLR and I don't want one because I just don't want to be carrying that thing around mm-hmm. and putting it in people's faces. So if that interact – it's the content I want to see. I want to see what it's like on the ground somewhere and how the people are and like what yeah. what's happening. You know, like the content you're doing is – the last video I just saw, uh, you guys camping. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of people out. It's got a good vibe. It's interactive. You know, it's it's natural. That's the stuff I'm interested in. Yeah. You know, any I, I of like the stage well. stuff. Yeah. It's, I think the stage no, I stuff is yeah, just – I hate it. My, I hate it. I hate that stuff. But yeah, I mean my, my channel would be much more popular if I did stage stuff, right? If I – like said like you know did like little comedy sketches or you know whatever but i don't want to do that like it just it doesn't interest me but, yeah so my crossroads is you know my, i have you know very diverse interests and even like my youtube channel is a mix of like i started with just uploading muay thai videos and like mma training videos you know like jujitsu videos and then uh it was all scuba diving videos it's all like uh-huh. under, like underwater you know dive videos and then it was some travel uh and then you know then business stuff online business you know motivation minimum Minimalism. It's like literally everything. And my videos would, right. you know, I would jump from subject to subject because mm-hmm. that's just how my life is. I, I like, I enjoy going on a 14 day scuba diving trip and making, you know, three, four videos of the best, you know, the best dive sites, what, we, what I saw. And then like, I like talking about real estate or investing or business for a few mm-hmm. videos. Then I show like, you know, traveling and food and all this stuff, but it's been terrible for my channel for the, for, you know, for the last, I've had it for like 12 years now and it just never really took off until this last month it's grown like crazy because I've just been here in Sri Lanka uploading travel videos in Sri Lanka yeah. and I've gained a huge following of both people in Sri Lanka but also Sri Lankans around the world and also people who want to check out the next Bali you know like the next you know the future mm-hmm. untraveled destination and I know that if I stop if I if I you know when I move when I leave Sri Lanka I'm not going to live here forever or you know I stop posting videos about that or even if I want if I start publishing my normal business videos they're not getting any views and it's going to mess up the algorithm right um, i still right. have two uh business type videos in like one about like uh automating and outsourcing an e-commerce store <laughs> oh wow then, that's totally different yeah yeah and i just like i haven't uh published it live i have it as unlisted still because i'm like what's going to happen is youtube's going to show this to my subscribers who now are interested in sri lanka travel N- you know nobody's going to click and watch it and then it's going to mess up the whole channel and yeah well i think there's two ways you could do it um you could set up a different channel where you're like business johnny right or you could try to figure out a way to put a thread through all of your videos where 
you're selling basically you sell the you sell a lifestyle you sell this digital nomadic world mm -hmm. and in that world is travel is you have to keep the money coming in so there's a business element you know so if you can make that a well-known theme that could carry through all your content if you didn't want to start another channel yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, you, yeah. you have that, which is cool, right? Like, you, you know, I want to be the guy that lives anywhere in the world and travels. Okay, I'm going to go to Johnny's Journal and I'll find out all the information I need to know about that. But the local Sri Lankans probably aren't going to care about the business you set up. They're only <laughs> going to care about your <laughs> – yeah, it sucks, man. I don't have the answer to be honest. That's, yeah. it's, it's something I battle with a bit too for sure. Yeah. So right now what I have is I have those last two videos as unlisted and I shared it on like my email list. I've shared it in like my Facebook group so people can watch it. And they're, they're, you know, there's still a few hundred views on there, but like it's not going to be shown to my, my YouTube audience for, until I leave Sri Lanka probably. Like I'll probably leave here in a few months and then one, like, you know, during that week of transition, mm -hmm. where I'm not doing anything. I'm not uploading videos. I'll be like, all right, let's hit publish on this video I filmed five months ago when I was still in Sri Lanka. Right. Well, also think of it this way. If you were to be the Sri Lanka guy, right, and you're making video after video and you get very popular, but then in, in three years, you're done with you're done with the country and you're not feeling it. Like if you make a, a half-assed video where you're just – your energy and soul's not in it, then the viewer is going to see that anyways and just not going to want to watch it. So – I think it's just just say at the end of the day you have a million less followers because you did all this stuff you wanted to versus had to force a bunch of stuff. It's worth it, you know. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I mean, and, and also think of this: this stuff can all go away, man. I lost my whole. My Facebook account got hacked, and all my videos were deleted. Oh no! Which is a big big mind screw because I had actually built a decent Facebook audience and I had a lot of people watching my videos on Facebook. Yeah. I got the page I got the page back, but all my videos are gone. And, and there's no way Facebook can recover it? Yeah, their customer service sucks. They it's don't terrible. they don't care. Yeah. I've been try I've been trying and it's not getting anywhere. And I think YouTube's YouTube's customer service is actually pretty good. Yeah. And I think I think it would be backed up. I'd hope it would be. But it, it, with it all is. these platforms, it is. Because I've accidentally deleted my YouTube channel once. Completely. Oh, jeez. So you know how nice. um, Google always tries to force their new, like, Google Plus or whatever social media platform they have? Uh-huh. They, I didn't realize it was tied to everything. So, you know, Google, like, it's, kept, I don't know what it was. It was like, it just kept showing my, like, you know, like, like uh, my, whatever Google social media page was that they're trying out. And I just decided, I'm just going to delete this because this is like the MySpace of uh, of Google, I deleted it, and I realized my entire channel was gone. All my videos are gone, and I freaked out. And I contacted YouTube, and they were able to restore everything with no problems. Yeah, Facebook is mafia. They, they just yeah, don't care. They don't care. Yeah. So all this stuff is ephemeral, perhaps. Anyways, so maybe yeah. just do what you. I think then there's a part. Just do what you want, what you enjoy, and yeah. and screw it. Right? Yeah. You don't make your money through YouTube, do you? I mean, you make some money through it, but you have other income revenue, yeah. income sources. Yeah. So I'm making. I used to make like a hundred to 200 bucks a month for my YouTube but in the last two months I made 500 so I'm pretty happy nice. it's, it's basically covered most of my Sri Lanka expenses and I think if I nice. stay on this track I can I can hopefully grow it or double it and have it co you know cover my actual costs and I was thinking I was like even though I can make way more money doing my actual online businesses mm -hmm. this is what I actually really enjoy so if I can get to a thousand bucks a month and just cover my my my, my basic living costs and if mm -hmm. I can just by making YouTube videos of things I want to make anyways I'm gonna be a happy Happy yeah, yeah, yeah.
Totally doable. Yeah. So, Peter, dude, it's, it's been fun catching up, man. Yeah. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. What, what, what are your travel plans next? Uh, just hungry next week. And then uh, got to get my visa. I'm going to go up into Austria or northern Italy and just find some remote place and be in nature. Then come back yeah. here. Maybe see my mom in the States. I don't know. But as far as travel content, I'm just going to do stuff in Ukraine because that's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing uh, some more of it. If you guys want to follow Peter's channel, uh, just Google Peter Santanello. Look it up on, uh, on YouTube. Or you can just go to Travel Like a Boss, episode 253, for the links to the show notes. If you want to hear our previous interview, it was actually just what, 28 episodes ago, but it was over a year ago. Uh, Peter was on episode 225, where we talked more about his start on, on YouTube and it was really I think it was the first day we met like literally yeah. the first day we yeah. met so that, that, yeah. was, that was a fun kind of recap on, on life but uh, Peter I, I really hope we, we get to hang out soon somewhere in the world yeah yeah let me know when you're coming All right. or if you end up coming here if I go to Sri Lanka yeah I've never been I've never been it looks cool you're, you're you selling like it, it to me. You, I think yeah, I'm selling looks, it to the world, looks, man. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've almost kind of become like the unofficial uh, Sri Lankan tourism uh, uh, minister or something. Well, keep doing it. It's cool. Cool videos. Well, you, you as well. Appreciate you, buddy. And uh, all of you guys for listening. Appreciate all of you guys. And hopefully we'll see you guys somewhere in the world. Take care. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, How to Choose the Perfect Niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.